0: Amen. Would you open your Bibles to Psalm 84? And I'm going to read this Psalm. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our strength, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Well, I'd like to speak this morning about dwelling with God, which seems to be a major theme of this psalm. In verse 1, how lovely are your dwelling places. In verse 4, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. And then in verse 10, I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now when we speak about what it is to dwell with God or to tabernacle with God, which could also be a translation for there in verse 1, to dwell with God, we're not speaking about a casual glance or, or having a visit with God or a little meeting with God, but we're talking about being saturated with the presence of God. We're talking about what it is to live with God, what it is to be alive in him to go on with God, to walk with God. The context of this psalm isn't quite clear, but it's thought that this psalm was written by David as he was forced to leave Jerusalem as a result of a conspiracy against him to overthrow the throne, a conspiracy that was led by his own son, Absalom, there in 2 Samuel 15. This psalm is very similar to the words that we find Uh, written by David in Psalm 63. In both Psalms, you have a certain amount of earnestness in seeking for God. David is is thirsty for God. He's yearning for God. He's clinging to God. And one thing we see right at the beginning in verse 1 is that David has a sense of the loveliness of God. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. David had seen something. His eyes had been opened to the beauty and the splendor of the place where God dwells. Now, where is God? God is omnipresent. There is no place physically or geographically that any one of us can go to become any spatially closer to God or farther from God, but David is leaving Jerusalem. it would seem as as he's as he's writing this, and ultimately he's leaving the Ark of the Covenant, a physical place at which God had chosen uh, to reveal his presence in a particular way in a in a tangible real way. <clears throat> now, as I said, God is everywhere. But he has chosen to manifest himself to reveal his presence in particular ways. And we know that from various places in scripture. You don't have to turn here, but for instance, we know that God particularly manifests himself corporately through prayer. Matthew eighteen twenty: for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in your midst. Well, God is everywhere. He was there to begin with, but he is particularly there revealing himself in a special way. Same thing in terms of of the praise of God's people. God inhabits, he dwells among the praise of his people. Psalm 22, 3. Yet you are holy, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. So David is leaving Jerusalem, and as he's leaving, he turns to Zadok the priest and says, If I find favor... In the sight of the Lord, then God will bring me back again and show me both the Ark of the Covenant and his habitation, the place where God has displayed his presence. So I think ultimately what we see in verse 1 is that David does not want to go on in this life without the conscious apprehension of the presence of God. He doesn't want a single moment to pass without a sense of God, without feeling and experiencing the presence of God. Uh, This is not something that's just a superficial emotion that he has. As we go on in verse 2, we see that David is fainting. He's growing weary, seeking for God. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. Now, David is under more stress at this time than, than most of us can imagine. His family and his kingdom are, are a mess. You know, David's son, Ammon, has violated his sister. Absalom murders Ammon, his brother. And now Absalom, Scripture tells us in 2 Samuel, has stolen away the hearts of the people from David, and David is forced to flee from his own seat of power in Jerusalem. Yet David writes there in verse 2, My heart... And my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Nothing else mattered ultimately to David besides being in the presence of God. Nothing mattered to him besides knowing the joy and the safety of being home with God. He was singing for joy to God with the whole man, with his heart and his flesh, Let's go on to verse 3. He writes, The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. These are very tender ways that David is describing the, the presence of God, just like a bird coming to its nest a place where it dwells where it lives where it's established where it's where it's safe you get the sense that that David is filled with with a feeling of joy simply being at home with God well what can we say about the one who is living with God the one who dwells with God well he's full of joy we see that in verse 2 We see in verse 3 that he is safe, he's secure, he's established, he's nested in God, if you will. And then we go on to verse 4. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. The one who dwells in God is in a state of blessing, living in God's house. He's accepted by God. He's right with God. And because of this, all the blessings of God are his. He knows God. And because of that, he is ever praising God. Verse 5, How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. He's not blessed because he has received something from God. But because he is in God himself, whose strength is in you. David isn't even talking about strength from God, which of course God gives, but the fact that his strength is in God himself. His heart is alive on the road to his home, his end, his goal, which is God himself. And as I was reading through this, you know, questions came to my mind. How is it possible? that David can sing for joy with the whole man and call himself blessed in the midst of these uh, indescribable trials. How can the Christian persevere like this? Is David delusional? Does he fail to fully apprehend the full significance of all of his troubles? Well, I think as we go through here, we'll see that that this psalm is way beyond the power of positive thinking, you know there's there's no psychological denial, there's no defense mechanism, there's no fugue state, there's no pretending you're Pollyanna here in this psalm. What we have is something that is very, very profound, something. Tremendous has happened to the person who can hunger for God, who can yearn for God to the exclusion of all other things in the midst of trial. His strength is in God, and God is in him, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. God is inside him as he is on his way. God is leading him and directing him. So the winds are blowing. But he's fixed on God. His course doesn't change. Why is that? Because he has an anchor for the soul that is firm and steadfast. So we have to ask ourselves, what about us? What about our anchor? Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your ankle anchor drift or firm remain? And the Christian's response is, It is safely moored till the storm withstand, for it is well secured by the Savior's hand, and the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy the blast through strength divine. As the Christian is running to God, as he is looking to God, as he is facing God, and he is met by the sorrows of life, something very wonderful happens. As we'll see here in verse 6 <clears throat> Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. Now, it seems that this word baka here is referring to weeping. Sorrow is part of the Christian life. He passes through the valley of weeping. He doesn't go around the valley. Uh, At home, we're going through the book of Romans with the children, and so a couple things just um, are fresh in my mind in terms of how impossible it is to separate the Christian life with, with sorrow. Romans six five For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 8.17 We are children of God and fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also Be glorified with him. When I was a little boy in Sunday school, we used to sing a song, uh, something like this, apple red happiness, popcorn cheerfulness, cinnamon singing inside, peppermint energy, gumdrop holidays, when you give Christ your life. Uh (laughs) Now, even as a lost child, I knew that this certainly could not be, that people are just floating along on life on a perpetual sugar high, you know, no troubles at all, come what may. Well, this psalm has nothing to do with apple-red happiness, but it has everything to do with joy. See, as the Christian is seeking God and only God, and as he passes through the valley of weeping, <clears throat> I said something amazing happens. And that is that the valley itself changes. We see there, passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. So the Christian is approaching the valley, and he sees <clears throat> as he is coming near it that it's a dark place it's a dreadful place it's a a tearful place but as he is trusting god and as he is persevering the valley becomes a place where god is real and near the valley actually becomes a place of refreshment it says the early rain also covers it with blessings Now, this is very difficult to describe, but if you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. You know those particular trials that have been very painful, that you certainly do not want to go through again, but you also know that having gone through that, how God can become very, very near. How there is, there's almost a sweetness that uh, can make it worthwhile, in fact. And I was thinking of that old hymn by William Cowper from 1615, You fearful Christians, fresh courage take, The clouds you so much dread, Are big with mercy, And will break in blessings on your head so we see that dwelling with god and god alone is the only way for a person to both embrace the reality of his current weakness and at the same time persevere in verse 7 it says they go from strength to strength every one of them appears before god in zion the one who dwells with god Perseveres. <clears throat> he perseveres in prayer. Look at verse 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. The one who dwells with God calls to God, asks for protection, asks God to reveal himself in new and real ways. Why? Why does he do this? Well, the one who dwells with God knows where he's been and where he is. He knows that the world has absolutely nothing to offer but that God gives everything. Verse 11, uh, actually we'll say verse, verse 10 and 11. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of, of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord gives everything, grace that is greater than all our sin. There's only two places to dwell with the Lord or in the tents of wickedness. But the one who is in God is in a state of blessing. That's the other tremendous theme through this psalm. We see that in verse 4, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. Verse 5, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Verse 6, the early rain also covers it with blessings. And then finally, verse 12. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. God has come and has dwelt among us. John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then at the end of it all, what do we see in Revelation 21? Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. The Bible from first to last is really all about the question of dwelling with God, of of walking with God, of abiding with him in Christ. The Christian is one who's been indwelt by the Spirit of God. He is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's a temple of the God who has tabernacled with us so have we made God our dwelling place we are commanded to abide in Christ John 15 Christ says abide in me I don't think that was a suggestion abide in me and I in you Jesus said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Do we know something of dwelling with God? Do we know something of going on with God? Do we know what it is to see God in the secret place? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I know it's not customary to give homework, but I'm going to give some homework. (laughs) I think it would be very good to meditate on a couple of verses in the next coming week about what it is to go on with God, to seek God, to meet with God in this secret place what it is to know the God who is in secret Psalm 25 verse 14 Psalm 27 verse 5 Psalm 31 verse 20 and Matthew 6 verse 6 Amen